Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. Today we are starting our last episode of the, the year. Very, very special episode. But before we go ahead, before we get started, let's go ahead and call Brooke Latek. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm very, very excited about our episode today. It's actually our first episode that we are doing in person, that we have our guests here with us. Uh, you and I, we are far from each other, but but I, I have the guests here with me. And let me let me introduce Dr. Jim Ochin. Dr. Ochin is a professor uh, at UC Davis. He's been there for a couple of years, but I will let him introduce himself, uh, just asking very two simple questions. Dr. Ochin, where you're from and, and what do you do? Okay, so I'm at the University of California, Davis, in animal science department now. But if you really ask where I'm from, I always say I'm from a small farm or a, maybe a large farm in that area, small farm on California standards uh, from northeastern Kansas and grew up and we had uh, corn, soybeans, pigs and a feedlot. And so I always like to be with the animals instead of driving the tractor all day long. And so that's why I got this, got this way into animal science. Uh, so now, and, I, and I've been at the University of California, Davis, after being at Oklahoma State for seven years, I've been at Davis for a little over 30 years now. Okay, that's, that's, that's a very brief introduction for your whole uh, long career. But you mentioned that you, you grew up in a farm and, and, love driving tractors and and working with animals but you i think you have a, a nice background in your bachelor's degree how tell us about it and how how did you decide to do what you what so you did it's, in school? it's always it's always a danger for you to know too much too much about me before we start so. yes <laughs> so no i was uh i was a farm kid but i always liked uh well several things i liked i liked music and i liked uh mathematics science and so my uh, I did a lot of uh, musical things at high school and then even marching band when I went to Kansas State but what I, I think you're really asking about is my bachelor's degree was in physics because I started off in mathematics and I thought that was too theoretical <laughs> well I, I didn't know about the the music part as well <laughs> I didn't know about this but so why why did you go to to mathematics and physics and How did you end up in working with cattle? So, later so, on? so let me explain a little <laughs> bit. My, I was always impressed with my father being able to sit there at a cattle sale and basically calculate break evens and numbers on the fly. He could multiply two digit times two digit numbers in his head, just bang, you know. And wow. So I guess I inherited a little bit of that, but our family's always, and all of our relatives, always been in cattle feeding. That's a pretty quantitative business. It is. And so I guess I inherited some of that. And so I like math and was, was kind of good at it. And so that's why I started off in math and, uh, and then ended up really being, I like science. So that's where I went in physics and uh, worked real hard at it. And uh, like I hope most students learn to do today is to go get involved with a lab or a research or a professor, or some sort of internship during their college careers. And I did that in a physics lab at Kansas State. And uh, most animal scientists are surprised to find out when they read my publication list, my first three publications are actually in physics journals. Wow. But 
you did you go for a master's in Kansas as well? I did. I uh, interestingly though at that time, and I think Kansas State still does have a cooperative agreement with a university in Germany, Justus Liebig at Gießen, Germany. And six students each year come for a year from Gießen to Kansas State, and six students go to Justus Liebig uh-huh. in Germany. And, and of course, you have to have taken uh, two years of German and be somewhat proficient at it. And wow. my relatives are all from northern Germany, so that's partially why I did that. And so I took a year, af- a year off after my physics degree, got accepted into Yale and Caltech as in physics, and then came back and realized after being in Germany, I was catching myself reading Journal of Animal Science more than the physics <laughs> journals in the library. So I think I really realized after, you know, being away for a little bit that that was really what I loved doing. I was mm-hmm. good doing other things too, but that decided that I'd come back, went back to Kansas State and got a master's in animal science. In animal science. So when yeah. you came back, how how was that application? Like, did, did people always ask you, you were in physics, why you went to come uh, back? Yeah, that, that, but I tell them, you know, my, <laughs> my, my background was in agriculture. When I was in college, I was in a fraternity at farmhouse and mm-hmm. the... <laughs> I always would take at least one animal science course okay. each, each each semester, and uh, and I did end up helping a lot of the students with their you know uh, mathematics and some of that side of things. So that so I, so I wasn't wasn't exactly divorced from animal science at all. In fact, my family has been very active with mm-hmm. uh, in, in Kansas State in in animal science. That's nice. So then you went to German, came back for uh, your master's at K State mm-hmm. in animal science. And then you came to California. That was your yeah, first. Yeah, and that's an interesting story because in animal science, Benny Brandt, Dr. Benny Brandt was uh, in charge of the analytical laboratory, but was very, just a good scientist at Kansas State. And he and I kind of hit it off. I remember one time I overheard what other stu- he had told some other students. He said, in my class, we do all the analytics and we actually have a student there that understands <laughs> all the science behind how all this stuff works. And he's talking about me, but that's because of my physics background, that was, that was simple. But so I hit it off with him and he liked to fly. And so we would fly and he talked me into, into getting my pilot's <laughs> license while I was there. And then I guess he kind of thought, Uh, took me under his wing and he uh, looked around the country and I was a naive master's and really didn't know much about who had animal science at the, at the uh, academic level was mm-hmm. about. And he uh, told me about a guy in California that was doing mathematical modeling of biological systems and animal science, a guy by the name of Lee Baldwin and said, mm-hmm. you ought to go check him out for graduate school. Because at that time, I didn't know whether I wanted to go be an extension advisor or maybe even go run a run ranch farm or something. Mm-hmm. So I went to California, also went to Kentucky. Kentucky had a really good uh, graduate school at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, our uh, and your colleague, uh, Dr. Zinn, of yeah. course, has spent time there at Kentucky as well as Oklahoma State, where I actually ended up being for my first job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was a professor there for the first seven years of my career. But so the, back to the story, though, I went out and checked out Lee Baldwin, also went to Kentucky. But I liked the idea of integrating the mathematics, the modeling with the biology. And that's why I went to Davis. And at mm-hmm. that time, uh, they had uh, several professors 
who were doing mathem mathematical modeling of different animal systems. So, so I went there, did my PhD, and that's where I. Uh, that's how that happened. That's yeah. that's very very nice. And and then you came to Davis, doing your PhD. Uh, and I we, we're going to talk a little bit later to your short. That's not that short career in Oklahoma, but before going to Oklahoma, uh, and probably took that decision during your PhD. How did you decide to go to academia? You just mentioned that you you didn't know if you're going to go back to Kansas and run a farm or go to yeah. extension. So, how how was that decision to stay in academia, or you didn't know that just happened? If time. Well, the PhD program at Davis is a pretty rigorous one. I, you know, most places you after a master's you go for a PhD, and I thought it was two or three years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, the average time for a PhD at Davis is five years. Yes. So the and it's a little more rigorous, and it's a and at least the first two years are fairly defined in which courses you need to take what. Uh, qualifying exam you have to pass mm -hmm. and you it's uh, you develop a big a good relationship with your cohort of people that go through this the classes with you so and then I realized that an awful lot of folks from Davis ended up going somewhere to be a professor right mm -hmm. after they finished and it was probably because of the preparation where okay. he, even now and, and I'm currently chair of our animal biology our graduate program there mm -hmm. Uh, which is what I graduated in many years ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it just prepared you much better to be a uh, academic than, uh, than I thought, really, than mm -hmm. I ever realized. And so uh, after your qualifying year, your, after qualifying exam, after a couple of years, then you have what I would still consider three of the best years of my life. Okay. That's you the time when you really have you don't take, you don't have any classes you have to take. Uh, you really just concentrate on the research that you're doing. Mm -hmm. You get to go, you know, I went to National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I'm still interested in that. I made yes. those meetings. I tried to do things with the, the cattle producers in California, the feeder count feeders went to Imperial Valley and gave uh, talks several times. And even when they had their meetings in Bakersfield and mm -hmm. other places, uh, but it, it was still, you were becoming really having the time to be an, uh, I don't mean to say this in any bragging way, but time to be an intellectual, to sit around, think about what you really wanted to do. You know, we were running trials, doing things, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like you had so much animal work to do. You didn't have time to just have sometimes a week of time where nothing was going on other than just thinking about what you're doing and writing it and putting, putting things together. It's, it's a period of preparation and yeah. and you i've seen you say that to some of your students and other students in our program that after your second year after you have the best years of your life it's yeah that's the time i time i met met, met uh, my uh, future wife you know it's <laughs> yeah. a great time yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm sure that that was a good time for you yeah yeah so and then during that time that's when you decided that you you were going to to an academia <laughs> and was then you started to apply and why did you go to Oklahoma? How was that decision and was, no, the, was the, an easy the, decision or? That, well, that became an easy decision, but it didn't, it wasn't direct. 
uh-huh. you know, about your after your fourth year that, you know, you're getting your uh, fourth year of your PhD, you're getting your thesis put together, you have all the data collected and you're writing it up and submitting it. And I started interviewing a few places. My first interview was for a range science position at Utah State, which was, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, a, a round peg in a square hole. It didn't really fit, but it was a <laughs> it was good experience to do yeah. an interview. And then I did a few others and uh, went, did one at Colorado State, but they really wanted a geneticist. Uh-huh. But at the time then I met uh, Dr. Tom Brink and we hit it off very well. And he started recruiting me to come do a postdoc there. And so my idea was after I finished my fifth year is to go do a postdoc at Colorado State. And so I was planning on doing that. Genetics. And well, it was more in systems. He wanted to, he wanted to take what they had learned in, in, in genetics with Rick Board and, and others there and figure out how it was going to work in the real world and putting together breeding systems. And when, he was really interested in how some of the growth modeling we had done and how mm-hmm. that would all follow through the system and carry on time Mm -hmm. and uh so then the animal science meetings were in spokane that summer Mm -hmm. and uh, i was probably going to be going there probably in another few months and at the animal science meetings i uh i don't know if i ran to i think he ran into me dr (laughs) bob todacek from oklahoma state and he had had a position that was opening up that was in the genetics area but it really wanted a systems person Mm -hmm. and at the time people were starting to use uh, personal computers and he was thinking maybe all this can go together and maybe, and he looked at me like, I, like he thought I knew something about personal <laughs> computers and how to make models and animal science and all that would work. And he said, well, why don't you come down and apply for this job? And I had seen it. I thought it was just a genetics job. Mm-hmm. So I went and applied and uh, they had me down to interview and literally within, uh, I think, two weeks after the interview or maybe even less, I was actually uh, back visiting my folks in Kansas and the phone rang and it was him and he offered me the job. Wow. And I was just really prepared, uh, back home, getting ready to go to California, to get ready to go to Colorado. Mm-hmm. So I had to call up and let Dr. Brink know I wasn't coming. Yeah. And uh, that was a good seven years. Oklahoma State's a, a very, a, was a very good school. Great for me. There was, I grew up where we had uh, had animals and feedlots in different, well, mm-hmm. in Texas and Kansas. And uh, we had bought cattle from other places, but I remember from Oklahoma and the sale barn there. And so mm-hmm. I've been through there and always had a good respect for the people and particularly the wheat pasture cattle in, in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a good place to go. Yeah, Oklahoma State, and they've been always very traditional in beef, cattle, feedlot, nutrition, and I'm sure. And Dr. Zinn had just had been there up until just about a year before I went there. Because okay. he was, I think he went to Imperial Valley somewhere about 82, 83. 80, 81. Eight, maybe 80, the end of 81, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so that was early 80s. So then you went mm-hmm. to Oklahoma, you, you were there for... Started in '83. Yeah, it's it's just just something that came to my mind. You were saying that you gave me the call to offer my job about mm-hmm. <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, you, you, those those are calls you don't forget. No, it was my birthday also, so <laughs> so I can't forget that. Uh, yeah. So, but that's that's very interesting. So then you were in Oklahoma, and I think I know. I mean, 
you probably had a lot of reasons to come back to California. I know you joke a lot about one major reason. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're going to tell me. Yeah, well, let's just be honest here. My my wife is a Californian, and it's it's hard to take the girl out of California. So, so is that is that one of the major reasons that you came back, or that that was an underlying current for sure, uh -huh. but. I even when I was in Oklahoma, I continued to do research with uh, Louis Baldwin and, uh -huh. and others at Davis and some collaborative things okay. on modeling, as well as a very good ag economist, farm management person from Michigan State, Roy Black, Dr. Roy Black, who actually two of the extension ag economists at Davis had done their PhDs with him. That was okay. uh, Dr. Karen Klonsky and Dr. Uh, Leslie Butler. And so there was a connection there and we, and so he and I would, I think two different years, we spent weeks in California with Lee Baldwin doing different projects. Mm -hmm. So I kept up and then the position that I'm in was an extension animal management position mm -hmm. that uh, it, it was almost perfect for me. Yeah. And so that, that's what I, so that's what I'm doing. So when, when you were in Oklahoma, were you in extension as well or? No, I was in research and teaching. Research and teaching. TTS. And then you came for a pretty much full extension. And so the job here is full extension, except that in a hundred percent extension in the university of California system means that you are doing, you're answering the problems or solving things, whether it's doing talks or developing curriculum But it's basically, and more, I think my first job description said 60% applied research. Okay. So you're really doing the, the problem-solving research that, you know, that addresses the questions that are going to make people, you know, help people out as opposed to just uh, doing basic research that's going to be published and then you forget about it. Yes. And I had a little bit of that Oklahoma. I always wanted to go see how what I was doing would work. And, and Keith Lusby, Dr. Lusby and Dr. Gill were at Oklahoma State at the time. Mm -hmm. And so we collaborated a lot, but they basically were the ones that then took it and did something with the things we were doing. Okay. And we did ration programming at the time. We mm -hmm. also did a, uh, we, one, it was one of those first uh, commercially available, even though it was from the uh, university, software for individual cowherd record keeping programs. Mm -hmm. We developed one there That was fairly popular. And then, of course, a lot of commercial folks that went on with that. And we developed one at Davis when I was out there called Cow Boss as well. Mm -hmm. But that's now that's well in the commercial range. The universities don't do that yeah. anymore. Um, but now I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering off the subject here. But, no, no, that's that's but, the, you're, uh, you're going to our next question. That's <laughs> like more. Tell about your Since we started, what do you do on a daily yeah. basis about your current job? So, so, but basically coming back at Oklahoma State, I, that was the kind of re research I did. We did animal trials, too. I had some really good graduate students there. and uh, But you were, and I developed a course on livestock systems, but you, you also taught, and I had taught the same course, senior level course called Interpretation Research. All the animal scientists had to go through that. It was a course on uh, uh, half a semester on statistics i call it cowboy statistics it's just it's you know it's enough statistics to, to understand statistics but not really be able to do it mm -hmm. and then the other part of the course was that students had to give oral presentations on papers or on a topic which they uh, some of them hated of course because oh, yeah. it was a lot of work and they weren't used to doing that 
but after doing that for, I think, uh, what, what did I do it for 13 straight semesters where, you know, you, you had to be careful. You just didn't go in there and turn on the lecture and turn it off at the end of the 50 minutes without thinking. Yes. And so, but that, so I, and I was okay, but I didn't, I wanted to do something a little bit more and get out. And mm -hmm. some of the best times I had was going with, uh, going with Keith Lesby out and, and visiting ranches, farms, and other places in Oklahoma, Oklahoma. too. So, yeah. and, and then when you make your transition to a more extension job, that's what you really... I enjoy doing enjoy that. doing that. But I was still doing uh -huh. a lot of the basic uh, computer simulation and uh, some, some things with some pretty good mathematics that, mm -hmm. in some of that that you wouldn't necessarily think was a typical extension job. Yes. Yeah. And you, you've done a lot of those research here. Uh, we, we may talk a little bit in, the, in, yeah. in another episode about yeah. your, your focus, but tell us more about your, your extension job since you started. And, and I always like to ask uh, <laughs> your, let's say, your favorite thing that you have in your job and maybe your... The things that you had more challenge. I won't say yeah. the, 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 the let, me, let me approach it this way. It, I, I'll get to that, but it won't be quite a direct answer. Okay. When I came to California, that was in the I interviewed basically in 89, 89, I guess, and didn't get here till May of 90. Mm -hmm. Things were very good. We had five programmers in the Department of Animal Science, and I was going to get to work with three of them and two of them pretty much where I would get most of them okay. to do things. Well, uh, those of uh, those of uh, listeners here that are a little older might remember how the economic downturn really hit about 90 into 90 and 91 here. And so the department laid off three of the programmers. Okay. So suddenly I had nobody to help me. And so I saw it. So all my plans of all these three or four projects uh -huh really got pared down to one. And then at the very same time, and I was got to, uh, well, one of my best friends when I was a PhD student at Davis was a guy by the name of John Brawley. And by mm -hmm. that time, he was back and an ex executive director of the California Cattlemen's Association. Okay. And that was the time beef quality assurance was just kind of getting started. And so he and I talked as well as, a, as, well as the extension beef veterinarian, Dr. Ben Norman, Mm -hmm. And we got together and developed the uh, Colorado and Texas had already started it, putting it together, but we wanted to be involved too, working with the feeders on the beef quality certification program, a quality okay. assurance program. Mm -hmm. And so the three of us put this together and then implemented it in, basically in the Imperial Valley, as well as in the Central Valley. There mm -hmm. were more feedlots then at that time. We did a, two locations, developed a program, brought all the, the employees of the feedlots in, and it was a very successful program. Mm -hmm. That suddenly took a lot of time. Yeah. And so if uh, so, for the next at least five years or so, that was probably the, well, that was the main focus of my extension program. Mm -hmm. And we trained over, and I went into the cow-calf sector too. And so we, yeah. in those five years, we trained over 5,000 people in California wow. on beef quality assurance. And, yeah. and yes. e either Ben Norman or I or both of us, in many cases, were at all those programs. Yeah. So, so you start figuring, you know, average of 20 to 50 people at those programs, then, you know, we, wow. we were on the road a lot. Yes. Yeah. Well, with it, we can see the program is still successful there. 
the California Cattlemen Feeder just won an NCBA award on uh, beef quality insurance. So. Yeah, Joe Schofield, who has now left the Beef Council, inst- helped instigate that, and I helped write the, some of the letters and got some of that going. We, yeah. were, we were very proud and happy to be in Nashville this this uh, August to see the award presented and got to talk with Jesse Larios, Jesse yeah. Larios afterwards and congratulating. Well, well, we can see that that's uh, your harvest what you planted many, many <laughs> took, years. It took a while. <laughs> no, but that's that's yeah. that's great. So you spend most like a lot of your time was like with those trainings and and and, and developing uh, those trainings uh-huh. and working with students. We had uh, the beef council was very supportive of the program and mm-hmm. and high and allowed us to hire some students. We actually did several videos. Okay. At to for the program uh, and. So, you know, directing those students was, you know, it was just a, a very busy time. So mm-hmm. we, at the time, we still developed CalBOS, the uh, uh-huh. recording program, updated a bunch of ration programs that mm-hmm. were still uh, we supported for 20, 30 years mm-hmm. uh, from animal science. Uh, Taurus was the beef cattle yes. one where we, in, where we implemented uh, my growth model that I developed my PhD mm-hmm. into that program. So then people then could project how cattle would do, not just formulate a ration. Yes. Exactly. We actually had a program that Don Gill had worked on and I mm-hmm. added a few things in at Oklahoma that, earlier. That's nice. That's pretty pretty good. So in is that is that interaction with producers one of your favorite things about being an extension job? The, the interaction with producers, and you don't get to do as much of that as you might think, but the interaction with the agencies or the Cattlemen's Associations. Mm-hmm. And so there was, I've spent a lot of days as well as a lot of other people in Sacramento in the, in the boardroom or the back room mm-hmm. of the California Cattlemen's Association. Great. So you mentioned a little bit about your, the beginning of your career. And I also always like to ask, because I know there are some students listening to us and, mm-hmm. and me as a young, young faculty, I would say, was there anything that you faced that you were not expecting that like something that you wish you knew, like that, you know, today that you, you wish you, you knew that before when you were starting, like, was there any chance? Oh, I wish I knew that. Uh, well, that's, that's something that I learned like pretty quick in my career. Well, you should have given me a lot of time to think about that. Cause I could <laughs> probably come up with about five or 10 things, but the thing that came yeah. up, came immediately to mind was simply how to work with organizations Okay. Because I, I had been active in a fraternity. I'd been active as leadership, actually, clear back in uh, our, uh, do we want to keep going? Oh, I'm selling. Thank you. So we're doing this in a hotel room in <laughs> Reno right now. That's so they were going to clean the room, but they'll have to wait. <laughs> so the, the leadership I could do, but you really had to get out there and listen and listen to figure out. So what was the real problems that people were dealing with? I mean, when it came to beef quality assurance, one of the real questions that I had, and I didn't have an answer for it, it took a long time before I finally figured it out. So is this really going to help me? Or is this just window dressing that make the beef industry look good? Okay. Now I think we can mask most everybody that does beef quality assurance will say, yeah, it actually, it actually has helped me. Whether we the cattle, we treat them better. Mm-hmm. We know how to use the vaccine so things work. Uh, 
and just a general attitude of pride in doing things well. And, and so learning how to work with people and understand that that was really, they really were going to get something out of it was, was difficult at first, for, at least for me. And, you know, yeah. but you just go on hoping that it's going to do some good. And, and, and we, we don't really learn that in grad school. I mean, we, we <laughs> learn how to deal with people a little bit, but that's not something that we, there's, it's really hard to have a class on that or something mm -hmm. that you're going to learn that it's, it's something that you probably learn putting your face out there and, and, and dealing with. That. Right. Right. And the, uh, you know, the, let's say the staff at a California Cattlemen Association, they have a spe specifically have a, a bill or a regulation they need to go work with. And sometimes it's, you know, it may be difficult or they may not quite know what they're supposed to do because then we really don't know the outcome of what some of those are going to be. So, the, but they have to keep their head up and keep working and tell the truth. And uh, I had to learn how what I was doing was actually going to make a difference and be able to tell people it was going to make a difference when I wasn't quite sure how it was going to work. <laughs> that, well, that, that's... Yeah, that's that's and, and there and there are other things. I mean, you know, just learning how to work with with a with programmers that uh, that really spoke a different language than I did. But mm -hmm. uh, I had a very good one at Oklahoma State, and I had a, a excellent Dr. Amadi at uh, Davis that ended up being really good good at what they did, and we we did well together. That's that's great. Those are. Very, very good advice. And mm -hmm. I think, and I, I always enjoy doing this because I take those to myself. I, I probably mm -hmm. the one, the person who, who learns more by, by doing this. So, yeah. So thank you very much, Dr. Ochi. Mm -hmm. It's been very nice, pretty like good, good conversation so far. Uh, I, I, I will start with our uh, last section here and it's okay. more, asking questions about yourself. Like okay. we talk about your professional career. Mm -hmm. How did you end up in being here? Uh, uh, I don't know. One thing that I, 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 I missed a little bit, and I think we talk, it's more, what, what, what does your job looks like today? Well, like what, what on a daily basis, what you're doing? Like you're developing research. You're still pretty active. We are, we are in a California Cattlemen Association meeting right now, but what does, your job today. You mentor a lot of students also. That's a very important. So one idea. of the things that I do now that has been different than for most of my career is I'm the chair of our animal biology graduate group. Yes. And so, but I've always, well, I was a graduate student at Davis. So mm -hmm. that's uh, kind of near and dear to me when I think, you know, see these students going through that and and I get to meet the new crop of master's and PhD students in the fall and tell them that life is different now. You're a graduate. You're a professional. You're no longer a college student. Yes, you're a college student, but you're no longer that. You're, you're in a profession. And, and that's, that's exciting to get to do some of that. So that's what, uh, what I end up doing. I mean, sometimes you spend, there may be days between doing anything with that program. Mm -hmm. And then when we have the incoming students to look at and determine, well, to, the applicants to look at and determine who to, who to invite, mm -hmm. that's very, uh, it, it's an important job in, in your 
you're affecting people's lives. Oh yeah. And so it's a very important thing to do. So I take that pretty seriously. And so that is, that is, that is one of the things I do that I, that's uh, nowadays the, of course, directing uh, some PhD students and other students has been a very important thing. And I would consider that uh, my, what I probably spend more time on because some students, we, you know, you're out the feedlot helping, mm-hmm. helping weigh or, or do something with the cattle yeah. as well as helping them set up or being there for them. When can we, uh, when, when I'm uh, particularly in last year, can we zoom tomorrow? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then setting that up. Of course, the, uh, over the years, my highest, the highest priority has been that when a livestock advisor or somebody from one of the agencies, cattlemen or CDFA call, to respond because that's, I think to me, that was always my highest priority because they weren't calling because they just wanted to chat always. They wanted to, they needed an answer. They needed something from Yeah. Like in the, uh, I've been uh, working with California ARPUS and uh, others have done all the research. I was chair of the research committee. They've done a lot of work recently on just how to solve some of the problems we have now with, with uh, feeding almond hulls mm-hmm. because of the contamination of shells and how some of the regulations where they're below a certain level of crude fiber, they fall in one category versus the other, cat, other category. When in, real, when in reality, it's just the level of shells or contamination of the hulls that really affects it. So, mm-hmm. so there's just those kind of things that need to be looked at and, and solved that are really the highest priority that needs to be uh, some help with. And sometimes you can be a lot of help and sometimes you just have to help them find somebody else or somewhere else. They can help them. That's, that's yeah. great. That's really, really good to know. Okay. Now we're finally going okay. to, to the last, the last section. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if Brooke, do you have any questions by now or can I just move on? No questions for me. Okay, so I would just move on to our, so we talk about your career. Those are quick answer questions, and we just want to know more about yourself. The first uh, question is, uh, what is your favorite food? (laughs) That's one of my uh, questions on the, uh, uh, I won't be giving too much away. That's (laughs) one of the questions that uh, on one of my websites that allows me to get into the website. Oh, really? And the answer, <laughs> and the answer is either a four-letter or five-letter word, depending on how I put it. And one of them's beef, the other one's steak. Okay, <laughs> that, and and you do a really good steak. I, I like you, you've cooked like I, I've tried that, and you do a really really good job. Also, oh, thank you. And and I know you also really like wine. Is there any favorite wine that you like? Uh, whatever one's whatever the one is in my glass. Okay, that's a good that's a good answer. Uh, what, what do you like to do in your free time? So if, if I have free time that's more, <laughs> more than a, a few days and it's wintertime, I really like to go skiing, Okay, snow skiing, downhill alpine skiing. Uh, during the summer, if we, have, if we have time and horses and everything, I enjoy, very much enjoy as with skiing, going with my wife to either go horseback riding or skiing in the, in the, in the winter too. And we and California has some beautiful mountains that we will take the horses to and go riding. So, okay. so that is a really good time. And otherwise, in free time around around the 
around home. And uh, my wife always uh, kind of kids me about this or something, but so what are we going to do when we retire? And I said, well, you know, I, there's a lot of things to do. We have a few acres, we have some horses. There's just a lot of little things around there to keep, keep up, whether it's taking care of weeds or doing something with the horses or the lawn or the house, that kind of thing. So that's, I, I enjoy actually doing those sort of things. Yeah. That's nice. One question just came up to my mind and, and, And that's why I like this more a conversation mm-hmm. and interview because I can just go off topic and, and ask that's questions fine. that I forgot. So I have one question mm-hmm. and another following up question. So I was going to ask what is the nicest place that you ever visit or you, your favorite place or the most beautiful place that you have ever visited. And I just rem- remember that I forgot to ask one thing and one important point in your whole career that you did several sabbaticals during mm-hmm. your career. So I'm going to ask, what is the best place that you have ever visited or your favorite place in the world? And just to touch a little bit on your sabbaticals and how mm-hmm. was that important to your career? Okay. Well, I guess, Two places immediately came to mind when you asked about beautiful places. And actually, we talked about one earlier. Yeah. as on the east coast of Sardinia, as, which is an island off part of Italy, but off the coast uh, west of Rome, several hundred miles, is a, some of the most beautiful cliffs and beaches and water in the world. And uh, my wife and son and I were there when we were on sabbatical in Sardinia, took a trip. We were actually on the other side of the island, Mm -hmm. which had a beautiful beach. But this one over there is just, uh, that's just a beautiful area. Mm -hmm. And the the water there has such a high salt content Mm -hmm. that it's almost effortless to swim. Okay. (laughs) So that comes to mind. The other place is a winter thing. Uh, We... We go skiing in uh, Tahoe quite a bit uh-huh. and a place called Heavenly. Okay. And there is a, a ski run that follows the upper ridge along the uh, ski area that has a almost continuous view of Lake Tahoe. Wow. From your start at 10,000 feet and you just go and it's a long, long run and you have lots and lots of views of, of uh, Lake Tahoe. In fact, we have a picture of us Uh, my wife and son standing on that ridge with somebody took a picture of us and with the lake in the background. So that's just another one okay. of those beautiful places on, of anywhere. That's nice. Yeah. So what, and, and just because you, you mentioned the, the, the Sardinia and mm-hmm. like how, how, how much the sabbaticals that you took add to your career? Like you, you've done mm-hmm. four, we talked a little bit yeah. before we started recording this, One in Italy, one in New Zealand, Australia, and Brazil, right? You bet. Okay, so how how was that and, yeah. and those experiences? How much that add to your career? So the great thing about being an academic is that, uh, at least in the University of California system, after a certain amount of time, they, they encourage you to take some time to you know further your career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a way, it's, it's a little time off to just re, recharge. Mm-hmm. And so my, uh, to, to, you know, not go into all, all sorts of detail, mm-hmm. every one of the sabbaticals I took 
had to do with somehow enhancing some sort of uh, biological model of whatever that we were working on at the time. Mm-hmm. Generally, growth models. My my what I my specialty in the in the uh, area of research is more in predicting how fast animals will grow, how they will grow, how compensatory growth will affect them or and change their mm-hmm. efficiency and composition and just predicting the composition again, how much fat, how much lean mm-hmm. at what time and dynamically. So you could predict basically when is the optimum time to harvest. Okay. So that was what I uh, developed in uh, my first sabbatical was in Australia in 98, 99. And the model that we had, without getting into detail, the model I developed for my PhD, which is still being used in some places, was fairly complex. And we okay. needed a little simpler, more approachable, easier to use way. That, mm-hmm. uh, and so I spent the uh, time in Australia and working with folks in ag research in New Zealand, too, mm-hmm. and Dr. Hutton-Audi, an ex, uh, expert in, mm-hmm. in this area putting together a new way of thinking about the net energy system and developing, and to make it simple, we basically decided instead of just having the animals one big box, mm-hmm. we divided the animal into the viscera, all the organs uh-huh. inside and everything else. Okay. Because all those organs inside utilize energy much faster yeah. than the other places. And okay. so if you did that, then you could get the energetics uh-huh. more correct. Okay. That's good. So then, then like research-wise, that's what you're working. What about mm-hmm. the culture of those countries? How much that that like open? Well, my, as I would say, my my wife would my wife would go back to Australia in a minute to just spend time. Oh yeah, we just had a great we had a great time in Australia. That's good, nice. good people. We had good people every place we went. We had excellent yeah. hospitality. That's nice. But it's just uh, and mainly we were in a relatively rural area in Armadale. Uh-huh. You were basically almost in the country if, if you drove two minutes anywhere. That's nice. And uh, friendly people, good good place to be, as well as time to just uh, you know think and get away. And and there were times when I would just go in the office and I would look at the at my papers or computer and not talk to anybody except my mm-hmm. wife when I came home at night for mm-hmm. sometimes for two or three days. So you really got a lot done. That's important. And that's the nice thing about a sabbatical. And then we'd also just take a week and go, go do something too. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. And, and all the sabbaticals were similar to that. And uh-huh. not I did other things at other sabbaticals. Uh-huh. But uh, we, when we went to New Zealand, we had a very specific aim there to really improve that model I developed in Australia to a, to a point that it was really usable. We okay. had a really good and a really excellent mathematician, statistician there that I worked with Dr. Sabaleva and Pleasance, who uh, pushed me on the mathematics and statistics side to get it right. That's, that's great. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So no, that's nice. I think the last thing that I will ask you today uh, is We usually have our cattle call top tip. That's how I call them. Mm-hmm. And I ask our guests to give a recommendation of a research paper, of a book. Doesn't need to be related to cattle. Anything mm-hmm. that you that you like to to leave our listeners with. Uh, we've had people even recommending a documentary, a movie, or something mm-hmm. that they watch and they like. So, is there anything that you would like to to recommend to our listeners? 
Well, that's a really good question. The uh, it depends who your listeners are. Yeah. The uh, if if they're cattle producers, I'm going to say to just go and be involved, whether you go on the website or whatever, with the Beef Quality Assurance Program. Mm-hmm. It, it will only make you a better producer. Yeah. When it's the graduate students, it's 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 basically to find the, the classical book in whatever area you're in and know it. If you're in a, if you're in the energetic side of things, it's the Max Kleiber book on fire of life written, you know, 50 years ago. And he, he talks about things that people were talking about a hundred, 120 years ago about the net energy system. So those are the kind of things. Now, if you're talking to this general public, People, you know, the, the 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 book I go back and read every three or four years is Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> and maybe you haven't read it. It's a no. Mark Twain book. Yeah. And it's entertaining, but there's a there are several different levels in that book of that of, some of them are addressing some of the society problems we have today. And I'm not gonna give it away, but you should you, I will. That, that's a that's a good that's Mark a good Twain book. Is, and and, it, and it, I read it first as a kid and I thought it was a hilarious fun book. Yeah, no, he's he's great, but yeah. I I haven't read this book. Fire of Life is a, it's a book that somebody else have maybe it was you, but oh. somebody else have told me that that's a really really good book as well. Yeah, it's a and Max Kleiber was a, a German, ended up being a professor at Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very sure of himself. Okay. That's the nice way of saying it. Sure <laughs> But he really did understand a lot of things that, uh, you know, we still have a hard time getting our students to grasp today. Okay. Okay. That's, that's great for me too, because I need to learn more about energetics as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really, really good, Dr. Ochi. It's, it's been a fun talk. I learned a lot and, and the good thing that we're going to make this, uh, content available to everyone who, who wants to listen and learn more about your career. Uh, Brooke, do you have any other questions? Nope. Okay, so I would like to thank you, Dr. Ochin, once again for joining us today. It's it's been a pleasure. That's the last interview. It's I'm I'm very very happy to finish our our first year with with you, and it's it's an honor to have you in person to to give a talk to us. Yeah, and do you have any final message, anything that you want to leave? Just two things. There was other people that have been very influential on my career that I didn't mention. I didn't want to leave anybody out, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know who you are, and I appreciate if anybody is listening, particularly in the cattle industry in California and also Mm -hmm. academics around the world. But also I just want to thank you and Brooke for doing these. I think this is really a a good thing and it's uh, innovative and it's expanding what we do in extension. And we're very proud to have you and Brooke on board. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm sure Brooke and I are the ones who are learning more uh, from doing this than, than anybody else. So it's, it's a joy. It's, it's really good. And you gave very, very nice, uh, let's say advice here today that I will take that uh, for, for my career and my life as well. So thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, who are listening to our podcast. Uh, I appreciate you spending the time with us. If you have any questions, any comments, please send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. Uh, you also have my email, my personal email in the description of this episode. If you have questions, comments, please send to us. 
subscribe to our monthly newsletter. You can read to this uh, episode, the, the transcription of this episode. And we also put the content from all of our uh, podcasts over there. So thank you very much. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. Thank you. Thank you, Brooke. Whispered a cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.